Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. It is time for another Feminist Movie Friday, July edition. This is kind of an outdoorsy movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't yeah. know if I would be, want to be in like a cave during this time. I guess it's colder, maybe. Have you ever gone caving? I have not. Wait, no, I have not. <laughs> I have gone down to caves, one of those like really big, right. nice caves where they uh, use it sure. for uh, uh, music or a show. Which is one of the things they're making fun of in this movie. Yes, as they should. <laughs> it's also good, like, I have a good friends who are part of that world. And uh, when I, whenever I said spelunking, they got really mad at me. Oh. Really mad at me. Oh, I see. Yes. I, too, have never, like, gone caving in this sense. I've gone blackwater rafting, which is when you go white, <laughs> basically rafting through a cave. And then I've gone, no, in, I've gone into caves that aren't, I mean, they were touristy, but you did have to, like, crawl and maybe, like, maneuver. But it wasn't, like, I didn't use a, a rope or there, there was nothing like that that right. I've ever done. And I think, lay down. I think we've talked about this before. I mean, I've done the... A very embarrassing thing they make you do in elementary school where you have to climb up that wall and everyone's watching you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's no, a rope involved well. in that. <laughs> I did not do well with those. It's so embarrassing. And there's that moment where everyone, it feels like everyone, including you, knows you're not going to make it any further, but yeah. no one's willing to say anything. <laughs> right. And not your body is hurting as well yep. as you getting the worst wedgie ever. You're so embarrassed. Yeah. And everything, yeah, and everything's really heightened because it's just tightened up. Mm-hmm. All of your crotch and there's bunches everywhere. You're like, I don't, right. I don't know. I did go on a date to a rock climbing place once and the metal piece hit me in the head and it was really, <laughs> it was really awkward because the That's guy felt right. so bad about it. And I was like, <laughs> this is just, it's fine. It was bound to happen. <laughs> um, so today we are talking about The Descent. Yes. Which, uh, content warning, in case you haven't seen it, uh, we are going to be talking about some gory stuff. It's a horror movie. <laughs> which... 
reminds me, the first time, I, I actually avoided this movie for a while and I came to it late in the game because I had seen still images of it and it was usually the cover or the image of one of the women covered in blood. And I was right. thinking that I, I misunderstood and I thought it might be sort of one of those like um, torture films or like a, a sexploitation film or something. And that's not my thing. So I avoided it. But my friend Katie, who I've had on the show, her family, super conservative, very religious. Her mom, like sweet, small, very like active woman, loves documentaries. And uh, she ordered The Descent uh, through her, her satellite because at the time... I was so jealous because they had like satellite and could get all those channels. And uh, she thought it was a documentary. And she, <laughs> Katie tells me she made it until like the first person got killed before she <laughs> was like, wait a minute here. <laughs> she made it through the girl breaking her leg. Yes. And I, I'm Oof. pretty, and also like, just the way it opens. I'm thinking, right. did she somehow miss the beginning? So she missed the whole pipes. Right. And the her dream of her getting stabbed in the eye, which was like a jump scare for sure. Right. I don't know. Like, maybe she just sort of fast forwarded some. <laughs> I don't know. As someone who's made a mistake like this before, I'm puzzled as to how this could have happened. <laughs> Because she went that far in, too. Because this is, like, that's the climax, but it goes very quickly. Right. And also, I mean, that whole, like, camp, before they go into the cave where they're at the cabin and they're, like, having a fun time, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that scene that I don't think she would have been very happy with. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) That's fair. But it is one of my very favorite like kind of schadenfreude. That's <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. And that's sad and hilarious because she's probably haunted by it too. She's yes. like, what am I watching? Yes. What am I watching? <laughs> Speaking of what, yes, we're talking about The Descent. It is a 2005 British horror movie written and directed by Neil Marshall that was a critical and financial success and is still on many people's number one yeah. horror movie list. Like, that is the one that scares them the most. I've been mm-hmm. told about this movie a lot. When I was going through my whole, like, I think it was about five years ago, and I started really enjoying horror movies because for the yeah. longest, I'm like, nope, these night- these are nightmares. I don't like it. Right. And then I was like, well, actually, I do enjoy this. This was everybody's number one on their yeah. list, and I never understood why. And it went on to spawn a sequel in 2009 called The Descent Part 2. Did you watch this? Have you seen this? I have seen The Descent Part 2. I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> multiple times? Do you enjoy yes. it that much, or you just happened to watch it? Um, I'm somebody who is very guilty of um, maybe starting to read a fan fiction in the middle of a movie or something. So, like, I'll see the first oh. half, and, like, I really know the first half, or... Gotcha. You know, something like that. I mean, it was enjoyable enough. It, it was not something like I would sit down and watch, probably. But like, if right. I have it on the background, if I'm just looking for a cheesy art, well, I don't know, cheesy, kind of cheesy, a horror movie on in the background, it was a good choice. Right. And we'll talk about that very, very briefly. And I, yeah, uh, like you were saying, Samantha, uh, this is like, if you look up feminist horror movies, not just horror movies, but like feminist horror movies, this movie comes up a lot. This was several listeners suggested it. I think we've talked about it on the show, but I'm not someone, I'm not claustrophobic. Oh, mm-mm. but But I do 
I'm like on the verge of claustrophobic, if that makes sense. I don't think I could be like diagnosed, but it makes me very, very uncomfortable. It makes me really nervous seeing scenes. Yes. And thinking you can't move. Oh, yeah. That's, this is why I think I remember, because uh, I told you as we were preparing for it, I was like, oh, I haven't seen it. And I can't remember why. I think I blocked that part out, even though I know it is a part of this movie. And that's part mm-hmm. of the suspense and the horrors. Like people, it preys on people's fears of darkness, of never ending holes, and being stuck in small space. Yeah. I have a lot of weird quirks. <laughs> part of that, uh, and I acknowledge that when it comes to my fear factors, like the, I have unreasonable fears, like things coming to life and getting me. I, I'm just sure of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not being able to see in the water, one of those. So mm-hmm. those stupid little rides that we do that have water rides, I can't yeah. stand it. I don't like being on the edge because I'm afraid something's going to come and grab me because mm-hmm. I can't see. So that that plays into this. As well as the small space thing, that is not unreasonable, no. I don't think. But that whole scene where she's actually stuck and having a panic attack, I almost had to fast forward it and like stop because I was like, yeah, this is like, as I'm talking about it, my heart's starting to race a little Mm -hmm. bit because I can't. So I tried to do this. I took classes because, you know, if you really want to do this right, you need to take classes. You need to you need to understand what's happening. So I'm going to pretend they did, these women did, and not just like walk into this and be like, I can do this for sure. Yeah. But like, I went and took these classes at NASA. We were sitting there talking about things and they were showing videos and then how small the spaces were. And I was like, nope, yeah. nope. And I think I did two <laughs> classes and walked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this movie is horrifying. Samantha, listeners, just made the mistake of watching this before she went to bed last yeah. night. <laughs> I kind of forgot. And I was like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed. Uh, I'll mind as well because I'm done with the work. I'll just watch it in my room. Sat there and I was like, oh... No, I've made a huge mistake. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I watched it before I went to bed, but it's all okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Marshall and his business partner deliberately chose to cast all women because he believed they were underrepresented in the horror genre. On top of that, he asked for advice from female friends about friendships between women in an attempt to avoid cliches. The movie stars Shauna McDonald, Natalie Mendoza, Alex Street, Sasha Mulder, Nora Jane Noon, and Mayana Burring as friends going on a caving trip. The film opens with a whitewater rafting trip between Sarah, played by McDonald, Juno, played by Mendoza, and Beth, played by Reed. After they, they are having this lovely time, after they get to the end, um, Sarah and her husband and daughter are involved in a car accident, and only Sarah survives. This is where the pipe that yes. Samantha mentioned comes in. So it's pretty horrifying. And if you haven't yeah. watched this movie and you plan to watch this movie after the fact, be prepared. Also, mm-hmm. that's also a ridiculous fear because I've actually had, you know, that that's kind of like that final destination, destination level. Of like, oh uh-huh. my God. Yeah. That thing's going to kit me. Mm-hmm. So many fears. So <laughs> once a year has passed, friends Sarah, Juno, Beth, Sam, Rebecca, and Holly meet up to go caving in North Carolina, which is actually not North Carolina. They just pretend like no. they're in North yeah. Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh. Uh-huh. So when they enter the cave, Juno offers Sarah an apology for not being there for her in the wake of the loss of her family. Um, and Sarah is very quiet, dismissive, and doesn't respond to her in words. She's trying to go move on past it. Mm-hmm. 
the group traverses a narrow, yes, very narrow, claustrophobic passageway that collapses behind them after a really intense scene of her being stuck and having a panic attack, like I said. And Mm -hmm. it got me, it got me. Uh, (laughs) Which leads to a tense uh, confrontation between the group where Juno, oh Juno, reveals that she lied when she told them they were exploring a fully discovered route, but she instead led them into an unmapped cave system hoping they could discover and name it. This means that their prospects of rescue are pretty much zero as yeah. uh, she leaves behind the map A. They didn't report where they were going to the, yeah. Yeah, and the person who reported it thought they were going to a different cave, and right. that's what they reported. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Juno claims she did it to mend her and Sarah's relationship. Mm. Yeah. The group presses on in search of a way out, encountering really old caving equipment and cave paintings that suggest that others have been here before and that there is an exit. When Holly thinks she sees sunlight, she rushes towards it and falls, breaking a leg. Also a pretty gruesome scene. While the group argues about what to do, Sarah goes off for a bit and witnesses a pale, fleshy, humanoid creature drinking water before it crawls off. And these creatures are called crawlers. They never say that. In the movie, I don't think, but that's what everybody calls him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Later, the group uncovers just a lot of what appears to be animal bones before they are attacked by one of these creatures, resulting in Holly's death after it rips through her throat. The group separates in panic. Sarah falls down another hole and is knocked unconscious. Juno pursues the crawler in an attempt to save Holly's body, killing the crawler with a pickaxe. In a state of adrenaline, she accidentally hits Beth in the neck with the axe. Beth grabs Juno's necklace, falling backwards and pleading that Juno stay with her, but Juno flees in shock. Right, so Sarah regains consciousness in a cave of animal bones and carcasses, just in time to see Holly ripped apart and eaten by the crawlers. She stays still to evade their attention. Meanwhile, Juno finds cave paintings that seem to indicate an exit before she reunites with Sam and Rebecca, who have figured out that the creatures are blind and depend on sound. Um, And Juno shares the information about the potential exit with them, but will not leave until they find Sarah. And I did really think this scene was really nice, not nice necessarily in the fact that all the hell has broken loose, yeah. but that uh, uh, Sam and Rebecca are clinging to each other. Yeah. And really they're protective sisters, of each yeah. other. Yes, mm-hmm. they're sisters, and it's obvious that their relationships are close. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't mention the fact that, you know, when they were climbing, she like cuts her hand, which, by the way, yeah. I felt that. I felt that. Yeah. Everything about that, when the rope slides out of her hands yeah. because they have to rescue Juno. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did like that scene. I thought it was sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarah discovers a dying Beth uh, who tells her Juno attacked her and then left her to die and gives Sarah Juno's necklace. Of course, uh, Sarah realizes that the necklace was a gift from her husband when Beth says, Paul, when she's holding that. So the Beth's new. Yeah. So Beth knew from the beginning and that he and Juno were having an affair, which is kind of implied at the very beginning yeah. where you see him taking off her helmet and they're just staring a little too closely. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's when other. Beth is like, uh, why don't you leave, Sarah? We'll take care of this. Yeah. And then, of course, we know uh, how that turns out. But Yep. Yeah. At Beth's desperate request, Sarah kills Beth by bashing her head with a rock. Of course, this is after she tells Sarah that not to trust Juno. 
right. which is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that seems bad. The <laughs> noise draws several callers to their location, but Sarah is able to kill them in part by staying still in a pool of blood and she emerges absolutely soaking in blood, which was reminiscent of Carrie to me. Yeah, I can see that. Things aren't going great for Juno, Rebecca, and Sam. Um, they're fleeing from a group of crawlers when they arrive at a chasm. And Sam, poor Sam, attempts to cross it, but is ambushed by a crawler who is on the ceiling and then kills her and leaves her hanging over the drop. Yeah, that was really sad. Rebecca is dragged away and eaten. So Juno uh, tries to cross using Sam's body instead, falls into the water, fights another crawler, and then Mm -hmm. climbs back up uh, where she's reunited with Sarah, who asks her about Beth. You know, hey, Juno, Beth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Juno tells her that she saw Beth die. The pair fight off a group of crawlers. Like, they do have like a bad moment together of like, yeah, ah, we're yeah. going to kill them. Uh, before Sarah reveals that she knows what happened to Beth and uh, about the affair between Juno and Sarah's husband, which was a nice interaction. They did a good job enacting that. The face, oh, there's a lot sure. of just facial. Because yeah. I think Sarah did one word, we just say one word at a time. And she drops the necklace that no. like, comes out right. of her fist, and Juno's which like, says, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, on the necklace, it says love each day, which Sarah says at the beginning of the scene, saying that that's what her her husband used to say. So obvious. Yeah. Obvious. Uh So she drops that necklace, lets her know, I know. (laughs) I know what you did. And Sarah hits Juno in the leg with a pickaxe. Oh, yeah. It was really fierce. And Mm -hmm. leaves her, crawling towards the light as Juno screams. However, Sarah gets knocked out after falling down a hole. Lots of falling down holes in this. There's so many holes. Yes, yes. So this is where we come to the endings. And that's right, endings, because there are two, the U.S. one and the U.K. one. In the U.S. ending, Sarah wakes up and sees sunlight, and she clambers towards it, and she emerges out into the world. She rushes to their car and peels off before stopping alongside the road to puke. When she and the camera raise up, there is a hallucination of Juno in the car with her, and Sarah screams, and that's the end. In the UK ending, Sarah wakes in the cave and sees her daughter across from her with candles and a cake, which was sort of this recurring image throughout the movie. Sarah smiles, but the audience realizes the candles are Sarah's torch. She is still trapped in the cave, and the crawlers are approaching. So the reason there are two endings, according to Entertainment Weekly, is America did not like the, quote, uber-hopelessness of the UK ending. (laughs) To be fair, you don't know it's hopeless. She could have made it out. It's true. And that is a good segue into a very brief summation of the plot (laughs) of the 2009 sequel directed by John Harris, who was involved in the first one. Sarah wakes up unable to remember what happened in the cave. So this is whatever ending she survived, I suppose. Um, She is taken to a hospital where police question her about the location of her friends. She agrees to go with the authorities and cave specialists back into the cave system, where she starts experiencing these flashbacks as they discover the bodies of her friends. Some suspect she is behind the deaths of the other women. There's a cave collapse, and Sarah regains her memories. Juno arrives to save one of the party, and she's really angry that Sarah left her to die. (laughs) She tries to kill Sarah, but has stopped one of the group lying that Sarah came in search of Juno, so being like, no, she wanted to come and save you. Juno relents and later intervenes to save Sarah's life. Sarah later returns the favor, but Juno dies in Sarah's arms. Sarah tries to save another woman in their party, um, shouting and running off to give her some time to escape. The woman does escape, but is knocked unconscious by a dude that lives near the cave. 
When she wakes, a crawler is coming towards her. So the implication being this dude is like the guardian of the cave entrance and is making sure they're like fed and it's kept hidden. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's like the guy at the beginning of a horror movie that's like, oh, no one goes down that way. And then they did. (laughs) Like Sarah live? You don't see her die. Uh, But it's implied that she did. But it's implied that she did in the first one. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess the American version is probably more for the sequels. (laughs) Probably. Well, Neil Marshall said he didn't think there was a need for a sequel and he did not want there to be a sequel. So, and the UK ending is his preferred ending. So I think it's like we have two canon universes. We've got the American one and the UK one. (laughs) Those those UK people, they like sadness. <laughs> they like that. <laughs> um, yes, JK. Uh, we did want to talk about some themes, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So perhaps one of the biggest themes and one of the things that makes this movie stand out in the horror genre is that it's primarily focused on friendships and betrayals between women who don't fit into the traditional horror stereotypes of the whore who gets killed first after we see her naked body and or she has sex, and the Madonna, either the final girl who's pretty traditionally virtuous or the mother figure. But in this, we have six friends who are a mix of mothers and not in relationships and not. Um, They are complex, thought-out characters. So as the group descends into the womb 
like oppressive claustrophobic caves, as things get more and more frightening, they don't fall back into the classic damsel in distress trope so often employed in horror movies. Uh, There's no man to save them or to take control of the situation. While they are fearful and angry, they do not let it overwhelm them completely. They think critically of possible solutions or ways to move forward, and they are physically strong, capable, and impressive. Yeah, they're very strong. The scenes where they scale across the roof with just carabiners and upper arm strength. Yeah, I was like, I'm oh, dead. Dead I mean, for sure. No, I could. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that scene dead. shocks me every time where she's holding dead. on with the one arm and reaching yeah. into her pocket. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yep. I would definitely have died. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they cause some gnarly deaths for these crawlers. The whole like oh. poking of the eye. Yeah. And the, like when uh, Juno comes and breaks his neck. I was like, yeah, go ahead, girl. Yeah. Get him. Yeah. Woo! Building off the support of other women and what they pass on, that's another theme that we see through these friendships. In the poster, and I actually never noticed this, and now I feel quite silly, um, the characters use their bodies to provide support for each other but it's it makes a symbol of a female skull. So that's it's a flipping of women being protective and supportive into something that promises horror. Yeah, I'd never noticed the skull thing before. Oh, you didn't? No. <laughs> so building on, uh, let's dig into the betrayal, which is at the heart of this film, obviously, uh, between whether it's the death, whether it's the affair, there's a lot of betrayal in here. Uh, so Juno's affair with Sarah's husband, Juno's character's name comes from Jupiter's wife, who in Greek and Roman mythology was scheming and full of rage. Um, and when Juno decides in a desperate and pretty selfish and impatient attempt to make amends with Sarah, yeah, of course, and this never works, y'all. No deception. <laughs> it never works by lying to the group about exploring an unknown cave system and leaves behind the map, which just does not make sense. That seems like she wanted to kill somebody, uh, which in the end could have saved them. She unknowingly, maybe knowingly, dooms them in her arrogance. Again, I, I get the whole, like, let's discover something. Okay, leaving a map? Why? Yeah, and I actually did want to have a discussion about this because I think this is a testament to the movie into the development of the characters that there's no part of me that thinks that that wasn't a terrible thing to do, a very unwise thing to do. And even if in the best of circumstances they had discovered a new cave, I guarantee you people would still have been mad. Maybe they would have been like also happy, right? but also mad. Because you lied, and it could have gone just like this. (laughs) Right. Especially when you're supposed to come together to celebrate life essentially, like trying to get her into a better place because she's gone through so much trauma. And you decide to do this? Like, you can't do death-like level, death-defying experiences as a way to come together. That's not how this works. Right. And I mean, it is incredibly selfish and arrogant. And I, I, for some reason, I often think of that line that's in, um, is it Civil War? Yeah, Civil War. Or the woman says, like, people who have a lot of guilt are the ones that are, like, very active in, like, charity and stuff like that. But, well, and, and this is a separate conversation, but I love, I, I feel like it's sort of that, too, where Juno feels very, very guilty and just wants to feel better. And it's all about herself, and she's oh, all, yeah. like, feels this such overwhelming guilt. But, like, my point is, there's a part of me that I, I don't hate Juno. Like... Oh, no. There's some parts of her that are bad 
I think that's the thing. Is like I don't hate you know. Maybe it's because I'm like, hey, look, Asian sister, cool, get it. <laughs> uh, but also for the fact that she is trying to be a leader, she is trying to protect some of them. She did try to go find Holly. She was the one that warned, stop doing this, because Holly was yeah. probably the most impulsive and running and trying to get to places. Had to stop everyone because she almost fell off the side of like she yeah. she protected people. Mm-hmm. as well as a leader weird yeah. little moment of like her doing that stretch at oh, the beginning yeah. of the scene i was yeah. like is that supposed to imply something i'm confused what is happening impressive yeah. it's weird. funny because we're watching this <laughs> i watched this at i mean i was younger i was probably in college but for some reason i thought that two of them were together yeah. like in a romantic relationship yeah. and i think that was probably just me being like not used to seeing Women. All women, right? Yeah. (laughs) And trying to put women together. But I I kept like, that scene in particular, I was like, who is the couple? I can't remember. It turns (laughs) out there isn't one. But I I remember when she was doing that, I was like, she's showing off or something? Or she is showing off, but not romantically. (laughs) Yeah. She's showing off because she went running and she did all these things and I'm so in shape and ready to go. Right. But yeah, but that, yeah, but I really liked her character and I didn't want her to die Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like the two of them, we're such a strong team, yeah. as angry as Sarah was. Of course, maybe this could be everything to my like own empathies. Mm-hmm. She didn't deserve to die. No, I'm the same. And I, I think that's what makes this a good movie and that shows that the character development is good because I've seen movies similar to this where I would have hated that character. Like you... If you got rid of the map, and I'm thinking of Blair Witch now, um, but like if you had done things like that, which I do think are really things to do, Right. Then I would have just hated you. And that's the slot that you fit in is you're the evil bad character of this right. movie. But instead, like there, you know, I get really mad at her. And then there are other parts where I'm like, wow. <laughs> so maybe it's the actress who did it and she did it so well. Even with Beth's death, her leaving her was sh- Yeah. But understandable. As mm-hmm. well as the fact that it was an accident. It was a complete accident. And she's horrified and she has so much guilt on top of her for this. And it is bad. Mm-hmm. But again, this is not menacing. It was not her being selfish. It wasn't her being selfish trying to push, like it's not someone who pushes someone out the door so they can be saved. Right. And I think people are complicated in that way too, where it's certainly a level of selfishness when she says like, I'm not leaving without Sarah. But I do think there is a part of her that was like, no, I'm not leaving. I got her in this situation. I've already really royally messed up her life. Right. That's how she feels. And I'm not going to leave without her. And I think it's also interesting because you don't see Paul, Sarah's husband, but for like less than a minute. And I think he only says one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's I'd never read read it like this, but it's implied, I guess, that Sarah's husband's guilt about the affair led to the car accident that killed him and Sarah's daughter. So just all this guilt. But it's it's what we've talked about before of like, it takes two to cheat, right? Right. And so like, we don't have his character. So we don't know what was going on or anything. It seems that Sarah was happy and uh, especially, you know, loving of, the, of her family. But uh, like, again, yeah, I'm mad at Juno. It sounds like we're Juno apologists, but that's fine. But it does take, we don't, Paul... Was up to this right. as well. <laughs> right. Well, I think, yeah. So you had started already working on this and I read over this before I watched it. Mm-hmm. So when I read that part, I was like, oh yeah, I see it now because it's that weird interaction between Juno at the beginning. Like he's 
pretty much caressing her face. Yeah. Weirdly. And then mm-hmm. there he's thinking, it's obvious that he's thinking in the car, she touches him and he jerks away, which is kind of that implication of that right. guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, are you okay? And he's trying to look at her lovingly to prove that he was okay. And that's when the accident happens. So yeah, right. that, that, I think that makes sense that it was implied. But yeah, with the that whole level, when Juno fails, due to her arrogance. She's caught by her friends, uh, but hurts them in the process, which is like she continues to make that bad decision. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Selfish, all of this is for selfishness, but this is how she handles saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and she runs uh, from the damage and pain she causes. Again, we've seen that in, in the way she talks about not being there for Sarah. Right. Or when Sarah first wakes up in the hospital, she run, literally runs away from her. Yeah. Because she's mm-hmm. like uh, crying and leaves. Uh, and she also experiences the secondhand trauma. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, we don't know what this relationship between either of these women was, were with uh, Paul. But she, as she says in the movie, like I, everybody lost something in that crash that day. So mm-hmm. for all we know, she was really mourning. That doesn't excuse her behavior at all. But no, the, okay. it is, yeah, no, no, not, not okay at all. Um, and yeah, she says at one point, like, why can't things go back to where the way they were? Um, when Juno first sees Sarah alive, covered in blood, she asks, like, what happened to you? It sort of feels to me like she's asking about the trauma of, like, facing the damage that she helped cause at least a little, of, like, finally looking Sarah in the face, realizing things aren't just going to go back to how they were. Right. Yeah. And and I did want to put in here, while we do see this element of cattiness between women, we do see other moments of tender friendship and fierce loyalty. And even the cattiness part is, like, less catty and more, like, a legit... Yeah. Argument. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literal moment of, oh my God, we're going to die because this is happening. Right. Exactly. Not so much like, oh, you, yeah. you touched me. I, I, it's just, I think when I heard the description for it and when you think about like the cheating element, there's just a knee jerk part of me that's like, oh, it's about catty women again fighting over a man. But it really isn't that. Mm-mm. But we do want to talk about something we talk about a lot on here, which is female revenge and anger. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So yes, we also see what happens when a woman's grief is twisted into vengeance. Um, the visual of Sarah being covered in blood and in the original ending juxtaposed against her smiling softly at her daughter is a good representation of this. It's a very good visual. <laughs> right. And a part of this, too, is something we've discussed at length, trauma and grief. Uh, both Sarah and Juno are grieving the loss of Sarah's husband and Sarah is grieving her daughter. This and, and Juno's need to pretty much get rid of her guilt uh, at Sarah's grief because, again... Yes, this is partly her fault, um, which propels the whole storyline of her needing to fix it. So this is her way of fixing it. Yeah. Uh, the cave could also represent this as well, descending into the darkness of grief and the monsters it can reveal within us or eventually will always come out and yeah. haunt you. Mm-hmm. Literally. Um, <laughs> and could slowly eat away at you. Literally. The original <laughs> ending suggests that we can never fully escape our trauma and the blood, the bones, the darkness, the primordial design of the crawlers. All of it is evocative of the darkest of traumas in their search for their exit in the light in the search for healing. Yeah, I never... Um, I think I watched this before I started really doing my feminist interpretations of movies. So I'd never really uh, thought about it in this way, but it makes a lot, a lot of sense to me of it being just this sort of like gory horror representation of trauma and grief and trying to heal, uh, like that search for healing. Right. And all of this is like, it's, they're blinded kind of like the crawlers or the monsters within. They're blinded by all of this. They're blinded by all of the damage that they've, they're seeing and this revenge is needed without seeing how far into it. Because, yeah, part of the ending for Sarah seeing Juno, the ghost of mm-hmm. Juno, is that guilt. Even yep. though just like she felt good about it at the moment, it's that guilt and, and being mm-hmm. blinded by the hate or the hurt. Um, right. Again, it's kind of the same thing. And so it eats away at you well, again. Yeah. It's a lot of a lot of uh, running and trying to feel better and by doing so, making things worse. <laughs> yes. And sometimes when you dig too deep... <laughs> Things happen. Samantha, you're coming in with the, these double meaning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love it. I love it. So the crawlers are like us. And that was a deliberate choice that the creators made. If we had never seen light, we'd never evolved. And as the women descend into the womb-like cave, as they lose their, their rope, their umbilical cord, they descend into more raw, dark emotions and choices, like pure, violent anger fueled by grief. And yeah, just looking at this, it's like grief is the real nightmare. And I, yeah, I'd forgotten about this when Sarah unhooks her monitoring equipment in the beginning and she's flatlining like a piece of her died and she kind of has this really terrifying nightmare 
when Sarah gets stuck in the cave and can't breathe, can't move without a friend supporting her, her friend Beth, who goes back in for her, says the worst thing that could have happened to you already happened. The cave-in behind her blocks her off from her old life, forcing her to move forward. Again, this is all like me really getting into this idea that it's about grief. I don't know if this was ever intentional, but I think it makes sense. I am curious when this came out, because I, like I said, I was late to the game, so I kind of always knew the general gist of it. Um, I'm curious when this came out if you were supposed to think it was all in Sarah's head because there's the shot of the pills at the one part, there's the nightmares, there's the couple of instances where she sees the crawlers and no one else does, which could play into that thing we've talked about a lot with horror movies as well. Why didn't you believe her and not believing women? I'm just curious if any listeners remember seeing this before everyone kind of knew what it was all about, if that was something that you were like, huh, maybe this is all in her head. Right. I don't know. So when I initially heard about this movie, I knew it was about caving. And I didn't even know it had monsters. I was actually, I had no clue. Oh. I had nothing. I had no clue. So I watched it and I was like, oh, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Humanoids <laughs> who got stuck down there that survived by eating. And by the way, they were all family. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when Sarah fights the person in the pool of blood, it's, it's the mother who after mm-hmm. seeing her, her child killed, yeah. which is a whole different thing. I was like, they mated. People, they made it. Yes. <laughs> and then that one figurehead, apparently called Scar. Did you see this yes. in the credits? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, he was uh, the f- head of the family. Um, their life was destroyed too. Like, they're yeah. not truly, are they truly monsters or are they just surviving and living? Yeah. And you came into their domain and now you're food. <laughs> your food. Now we're crawlers, apologist. No, that's a great so, point. But like, you saw the two mothers head to head too. And I thought that was purposeful and poignant as yes. well. The the rage and the hurt and the anger that happened between the, the two females, I guess, because I guess that creature is a woman. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. But when I initially watched it, of course, I'm not looking at the view of women, this representation of women, but I did note that, yes, this is all about somehow justifying guilt, assaging the guilt and or the pain. So -hmm. trying to move on and pretend that you're okay. So for me, I saw that. Now, when I saw the Sarah stuff, to me, I felt like you're supposed to just be her. Like You're supposed to feel what she's going through Mm -hmm. and the nightmares that she is going through, that that's the setup because you need one person to... uh, go beyond that, that empathy level. Yeah, be like the audience. Yeah, of. and see that perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's how I saw it. Not necessarily that right. she wasn't, but I could see it being like a whole Shyamalan, I don't know what the <laughs> name. What is well, name? I, I bet they were at least playing on that. Yeah. But yeah, we would love to hear from listeners. Clearly, we've had some deep thoughts about this <laughs> deep caving movie. Um, that I will not go to. Yes, no thanks. Uh, you can send your thoughts and suggestions for our next movie to our email, which is stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff on Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.